those of you who don't know us, um, thank you for spending your Friday morning with us. This is our fourth and last virtual panel session of the year, um, and, but we're just taking a break for a few months and we'll be back in the spring with a new series of panels. Ontario Creates is an economic development agency of the government of Ontario. Our mandate is to build Ontario's creative economy, which includes the book, film, and television, interactive digital media, magazine, and music industries. These industries together contribute over $7 billion annually to Ontario's GDP and account for close to 65,000 jobs in the province. As you might imagine, the pandemic has been a big focus of our work over the last two years, including as a topic of the majority of our panel sessions. For today's panel session, we're gonna take a little break from the pandemic to talk about another important issue, the climate crisis, uh, and what two groups are doing to increase awareness and improve environmental practices in the film and television and music industries. I'm delighted to introduce you to our moderator for today's panel, Jen Nock. Jen is a senior editor at ECW Press and is a passionate advocate for the environment inside and outside of the publishing industry. You may also know her as the creator and author of the newsletter, Five Minutes for the Planet. We'll have the panelists introduce themselves, but I would like to thank and welcome Chris Dunn, who is a production consultant in Ontario Creates Film Commission and a committee member of the Ontario Green Screen, and Bridget Fry, half of the indie band Moscow Apartment and a member of Music Declares Emergency. Before we begin, just a few housekeeping items. Our panel will be about 40 minutes long and we'll leave 15 minutes at the end for questions. If you have a question, please use the Q&A feature on your screen. If you're experiencing any tech challenges, just let us know by using the chat. Someone from our team is monitoring it and we'll try to help you out. Um, and then after the Q&A, you are welcome to stick around for some informal virtual networking. We'll activate everyone's video and audio capability and we'll bring you into the panel so that you can meet and introduce yourselves to fellow attendees. Our Twitter hashtag, if you'd like to tweet about today's event is hashtag OnCreates. And we'll also be sending you a short survey after the event. We are especially interested in how this format worked for you and whether you have suggestions for other topics you would like us to cover. And now over to our moderator, Jen. Thank you, Erin. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for showing up on a Friday morning uh, to take a break from talking about the pandemic to talk about something that's worse than the pandemic. I don't know, you made your choice, but we'll try and make it as engaging as it can be. Um, I am here in Toronto with my co-pilot, who's getting ready for peak Halloween. Um, and uh, I would like to turn it over to my panelists and they're gonna give themselves just a brief introduction beyond what Aaron said. Um, and I would like you to, in your introduction, if, if you could, to talk about why the climate crisis or the environment is an issue that you care about personally. Let's start with Chris. Thanks, Jen. Um, thanks everyone, it's really great to be here today. Um, my name is Chris Dunn, I am a production consultant and I work at Ontario Creates and I work specifically in the Film Commission. And my role here in the Film Commission is to work on capacity, um, capacity building within the industry. And part of that is an uh, initiative that we, we developed in 2020 called the Ontario Green Screen Initiative. Uh, so I've been the lead consultant on, uh, on building out that initiative uh, with our industry partners. We have uh, an advisory committee of uh, 20 dedicated industry partners from uh, unions, guilds, trade associations, uh, vendors, uh, uh, producers, um, uh, 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 municipalities, uh, City of Toronto, City of Mississauga, City of Brampton and such. Um, and we've come together to kind of build out 
uh, a uh, dedicated series of uh, resources and tools that are available to the industry to make better choices. Um, on a personal level, to answer Jen's question, um, uh, you know, this uh, this topic and this issue is, is really important to me because I like to breathe. Um, and I think we all like to breathe air and we all like to live on this planet. And if we don't start making changes that are going to be significant and make uh, that impact uh, to turn the impact around. Uh, I think, you know, this is this is something that we all need to jump into. I uh, I worked in film for for many years prior to coming into uh, into Ontario Creates. And I was, you know, always kind of in shock about the amount of waste and, and overuse there was in the film industry. And when the opportunity for me to work on the solution to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, reduce waste, and and reduce the amount of uh, of materials that we use on set. I jumped at this this opportunity, so that's why this uh, this uh, this this issue is, is is personal to me, and this is why uh, this is why I'm here today. Thanks, Chris. Shout out to breathing, big fan. Also, um, would like to continue. Um, over to you, Bridget. Give us a little introduction and tell us. Why this, why this is an issue that matters to you. Hi, I'm Bridget. Um, I am a musician uh, mainly and also recently, uh, I guess I've become a bit of a climate activist. Um, yeah, I'm part of the band Moscow Apartment and I am also part of the working group for Music Declares Emergency Canada, um, which is the Canadian branch of a worldwide initiative to um, try to make the music industry more green and eco-friendly, um, as well as leveraging musicians' platforms to just try to raise, raise awareness um, to climate, uh, the climate emergency kind of everywhere to, to all their fans. <laughs> Sorry, it's a little early for me. Um, I'm coming from Toronto, um uh, or treaty 13 and yeah um it's important to me because ah, i guess it, it's something i've always been very aware of as a young person um i think you know it's something that people my age have been raised on our whole lives just we've always known about the climate emergency and it's just been getting worse in a seemingly very short period of time. Um, so it's something that I've just been really focused on and been having trouble avoiding in the last few years. So I've decided to try to make change on it. Necessity is what I'm hearing, <laughs> which yeah. you know what, is a great motivation, uh, really should motivate more of us. Yeah. So, um, let's talk about your industries a little bit. So, for example, I come from the publishing industry, and when we assess our climate impacts, 90% of our impact as a company comes from the paper that we print books on, which kind of makes sense because trees absorb a lot of carbon. So, I wondered if you could um, briefly each tell me what the main kind of concerns and or emission sources are for your industry. Um, Bridget, can you give start us off here? Oh, sorry, I am muted. Uh, yeah, um, the really big kind of emissions concern in the music industry is um, touring. Obviously, you know, musicians traveling all over is a concern and that does um, cause a big issue. But one thing that I think a lot of people don't think about is 
fans traveling to shows, which is a really uh, big omission. Um, you have hundreds of people going to the same place, um, often from similar areas uh, all the time. Um, so that's a really big omission that I think the industry could easily cut down on um, with like carpooling and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, a lot touring in general is a pretty big one. I honestly had never thought about the fans. So that is such a great point. Um, yeah. yeah, those deadheads really burned up a lot of carbon. <laughs> um, okay, Chris, you kind, of, you kind of talked about it a bit, but I don't know if there's anything else you want to expand on there. Yeah, I mean, for the film and TV industry, it's uh, it's pretty clear that the the biggest uh, the biggest concerns for emissions are fuel. Uh, so it's mostly diesel. Um, there's lots of generators that are running on set for hours and hours a day. Uh, there's lots of vehicles on set, so there's lots of cars driving around. There's production vehicles. There's people coming in, uh, to and from set, so personal vehicles. Uh, just as Jen was saying, there's like that that commuting that uh, commuting aspect of it. Um, but by far and large, um, the fuel consumption uh, is like 47 between 47 and 56% of, uh, of the amount of uh, greenhouse gas emissions that are emitted through the film and TV industry. That's just an, a general uh, on a large temple production. Uh, but there's also travel. Um, so uh, actors traveling from uh, jurisdiction to jurisdiction. Um, and then there's also utilities is, is a big one as well. Um, so electricity in, in studios and, uh, and, and in other, uh, other uh, uh, facilities. Um, and then accommodation as well are the big ones. Um, what's missing from, from my kind of list here is, is, is garbage and, and recycling and waste. That's a really small percentage. It's, it's definitely important. It's, it shouldn't be um, uh, you know, uh, put on the, the uh, uh, Put into landfill uh, as a um, as a joke, but um, but it is important. But it's by far and large, it's diesel fuel that needs to be reduced. I think that's a huge thing that we grapple with when in environmentalism in general. That the things that are most obvious and most visible to us sometimes get the most emphasis. So like we're we're all caught up in straws and various little packaging things when. That's not the big picture. That's such a small, small part of the picture. Sure, let's crack down on it. Let's get rid of all the unnecessary waste. Nobody is against that. But I think it's really useful. You know, if we think about our garbage at the office, which yes, I do police when we're there in person because I'm fun to work with. Um, that's not the big issue. The big picture is all the cartons of books that are coming through our door all the time. Um, so I love that perspective that while, of course, we want to reduce waste, like keeping in mind what the big targets are. And, um, and it's not the bottle of water that you drink backstage at the concert. <laughs> it's, it's the plane you took to get there. Um, and I think so often it's easy to lose track of that perspective. Okay, so now we've talked about what the problems are. Um, what I'd love is for each of you to tell me about um, your organization. So Bridget, here we're kind of music declares emergency. Um, we're talking about that. Um, and what your most important goals are, what you hope to achieve with your work. Um, so uh, yeah, Bridget, why don't you kick us off and talk about the goals of music declares emergency? Yeah, so the goals of music declares emergency, as I said, on a kind of just more general, big scale, are to find ways to uh, green the music industry and try to make it, you know, um, you know, reduce emissions. Ideally, try to reach net zero emissions. Um, 
at some point soon in the future. <laughs> um, uh, but the other one is to leverage um, artist platforms to try to get fans um, more involved in um, the climate emergency and try to put pressure on bigger, you know, companies like major labels, um, production, like manufacturing companies and um, unrelated to music, try to use that fan base to try to put pressure on the Canadian and international governments to, um, you know, take the climate emergency more seriously because they're really not. Um, so those are kind of the general big goals. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we, yeah, we need, I mean, the biggest thing is, sorry, uh, policy change, um, which I think is uh, harder to kind of, you know, concretely say, oh, this is what we're gonna do, but um, that's one of them. And then, um, yeah, short-term goals, we have, you know, tons of um, initiatives we're trying to start up um, to make the industry, the music industry itself more green, um, like sustainable merch, um, the idea of, you know, trying to make carpooling or buses to shows more common, um, getting green riders um, uh, for artists and venues, um, tons of stuff like that. Uh, yeah, we just, you know, want to try to have all the bases covered because I think there is a lot of change that the music industry could fairly easily make to um, improve uh, on our emissions and our carbon footprint. I love that there are two prongs there. So we kind of have the hearts and minds of, you know, that music is something that is really important to a lot of us and that uh, then if you're a Neil Young fan or whatever, you might know all about electric cars and you might care about voting against whatever proposition. Um, and I, and I, and that's like such a incredible platform to have. Um, but I also totally see what you're saying. If you went to, if all of these artists signed and said uh, to the Air Canada Centre, whatever the Air Canada Centre is now, I don't know. We're not coming unless unless you do the X, Y, and Z across your whole facilities to make it better. Like that really, there's a lot of leverage there. And so I think this is like such a great use of coalition to kind of get more power. Um, Chris, so what are some of the initiatives? So you, again, you talked a little bit about them, but mm -hmm. run us through some things that you guys <clears throat> are doing. Sure. Um, yeah, so I, I, I touched very briefly on uh, what o OGS uh, goals are, um, but uh, our, our uh, initiative is driven by our strategic plan, which was developed uh, in collaboration with all of our partners. And within that plan kind of lays out all of our goals and our, our tactics and, and where we're heading in the next two years. Um, so our strat plan has four main, and we've kind of uh, couched everything into pillars. So we have four main pillars. And then with, within each pillar, we have some goals and we have tactics that, we, uh, that we're kind of moving towards. Um, so our, our, our four main pillars are building community. Um, so within this pillar, um, we're looking at, you know, outreach. We want to, you know, ensure that the community is aware of Ontario Green Screen and that we're pushing out information to the, to the industry so that they they know where to find all of the 
the relevant tools and resources that can help them and empower them to make better choices. Um, inform and educate is another pillar that we have, and this is um, this is where we're really looking at uh, at training, providing the the actual kind of tools for people to to make those choices. So, uh, with Ontario Green Screen, we have a, a climate sustainable production training course that's available for free to anybody that works in the industry. Um, and I, you know, urge anybody that's interested in this to to register for it. You can register on our website at uh, OntarioCreates.ca. Um, we also have a carbon calculator training course, um, and this is for Productions who uh, who want to measure their their overall e uh, economic uh, uh, environmental impact, um, so they can get the carbon calculator tool uh, training done. They can measure their footprint and then they can reduce their carbon footprint. Um, implement best practices is our our third pillar, and this is really kind of the big pillar for us. This is where all of the the really kind of important. Every, all of these are important, but these ones are the really big kind of uh, goals and tactics that we need to work towards. So this is kind of re reducing greenhouse gas emissions. So finding clean energy solutions and helping the industry to kind of make better choices in those ener energy solutions connecting people with with other you know external vendors and parties that can kind of help help the industry do that um, so there's also reducing greenhouse gas emission from food waste so you know making sure that food isn't going into landfill and that it's actually you know being donated so it's kind of moving down down the uh, down the line to somebody who needs it um, and then there's also uh, uh, a big uh, focus of what uh, the implement best practices looks at is circularity in production and design so making sure that what you're building has uh, there's a thought to the end of life for the product, as, so it's just not going into a bin and then it's going to be tipped into a landfill. Um, so those are the three uh, big pillars, and then at the at the end of that we have a measure impact. So we just we need to be able to if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So we need to be able to measure what our impacts are, um, and so these goals are are what are kind of driving uh, driving the force through through OGS right now. Let me tell you, Chris, that is like hashtag goals right there. I was getting all hot and bothered about all of these amazing things. Measurement, online courses, cal carbon calculations, circularity. Cir nothing, nothing gets a girl going like a circularity. Um, well, the so buzz thank terms, you for right? that. Yeah, <laughs> oh my gosh. But, 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 but it's like more than a buzz term. It's a mm -hmm. fundamental paradigm shift. And, Absolutely. Uh, without that I don't I don't see how things are going to work out so um wow those sounds like some great resources that people can use so you're doing this advocacy work or this um you know make, creating these resources both of you um what I kind of wanted to gauge is what kind of reaction you're getting so this might be a little bit harder for Bridget because um you know the stakeholders are more broad people who listen to music. Um, but it can also be fellow musicians, right, who may or may not receive this message um, openly. Um, and so I kind of wonder what kinds of reactions are you getting for, um, in your work that you're doing? Yeah, um, first of all, I want to say it sounds like the film industry is way ahead of the music industry in Canada. So that's it's really interesting to see kind of, a you know, parallel industry. It's like, oh, this is where we could be um, in the future. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, it is a little hard to, you know, uh, measure exactly um, because the music industry is this kind of very wide and often unorganized um, 
industry, but um, we have had a lot of interest. Um, so Music Declares Emergency Canada is completely volunteer run right now. We have a very small working group of people who dedicate their time um, to it. But we've had a lot of interest from um, organizations who want to work with us and from lots and lots of artists who want to work with us. So we have, I, last time I checked, it was, I think, over 250 Canadian artists signed on. I think it might be over 300 by now. Um, but yeah, we have over, oh, I'm just going to say over 200 for now, um, over 200 Canadian artists uh, signed on because a, a part of Music Declares Emergency is, you know, declaring the emergency, so signing on to this declaration, and then saying um, that, that that basically just says, hey, this is an emergency, we need to, you know, uh, really make change in the industry, let's do that, um, and here's how. But then also a lot of artists who are interested in, you know, actively um, working with us, um, we, yeah, we've uh, had conversations and partnerships with lots of um, Canadian, um and international organizations so um folk music ontario which is the big kind of conference for folk musicians in ontario we've done panels with them we've done work with them um folk alliance international which is the international version of that um we've done work with them um songwriters association of canada um we have spoken at the community campus radio association we've done stuff with soul pepper which is a little crossover into theater um so yeah there's a lot of interest and a lot we've done um oh as well as like uh not just on the like kind of front side of music industry but also we've had lots of interest from managers and agents and you know all that stuff because it can't just be the artist signing on we want to kind of have the whole industry um but yes yeah, so we've had lots of interest currently our situation is we are a very new organization um we started out during the pandemic and we are volunteer run um so you know we don't yet have uh tons of resources to like officially be like ah this is you know um, all the people who are interested and these are all the people we're working with, but we have tons of interest in Canada. Um, and again, we are the Canadian branch of an international organization. So if you look at Music Declares Emergency, um, it started out in the UK. The interest they've had, um, they've been around for a bit longer, is it's amazing. They've had, um, I think all major labels in the UK sign on to you know, declared that they're willing to work with MDE to um, reduce their emissions. They have multiple paid staff. Um, it's it's awesome. There's some really, really cool stuff happening. I think musicians are people who really do care about climate. Um, I think creatives in general maybe are a little more prone to it, but I think there's something about being a musician. I think you have to like tap into this sort of empathy kind of professionally um so yeah there's 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 tons of interest and um we're very excited to continue doing stuff and hopefully eventually secure funding so we can really have more of that interest um be shown i love to hear it 
And personally, the last two climate marches I've been at, there was someone with your no music on a dead planet flag. And I was like, oh, what's that? And so, uh, I mean, that's a, this is the, this is your focus group of one, but all to say that it caught my attention and it was in the place where other people who care about this issue were. So who's to say what can come in the future? Um, okay, Chris, how are people in the film industry engaging with these resources? How are they responding to these suggestions for new best practices and so on? Um, well, first of all, I mean, I just want to say to Bridget that, you know, the film industry may seem like it's ahead of where, where the music industry is right now, but it, there's been many years where the film industry has been working towards this, so you're not behind at all. Um, and all of the resources that we've built out and created, if you're interested in finding out more about them, let's have a chat and I can, you're, you're more than welcome to kind of feed into any of those and, and, and utilize anything that, that works for, for you guys as an industry. Um, so lots of collaboration across, across sectors as well. So uh, just to say that. Um, but in terms of stakeholders and engagement um, in in the initiative, um, it, it's uh, it, it's from the uh, from the from the stakeholders that work specifically with the industry, there's incredible engagement. It's it's unbelievable the amount of dedication and work that's going into this. Uh, it's a large cross-section of, of industry stakeholders that I mentioned earlier um, that are really passionate about this and they want to make uh, make change and, and this is really happening. Um, with the industry at large, um, also lots of engagement. People are very passionate. Um, what I'm hearing from people um, in production and on set is they want to do the right thing. They don't know how to do the right thing. Everybody wants to make those changes, but they just don't know how to how to how to do it properly or how to implement in, uh, specific changes. So um, that's our kind of uh, our calling card to say let's let's make make it easy for people to figure out how to do this. And providing those tools and the resources can help them make those changes. Um, and you know, there's there's such a wide uh, um, uh, kind of uh, cross-section of productions out there. There's micro-budget to, you know, tentpole productions, massive productions. It, it's really, it's impossible to kind of say, well, this is what you should do for, you know, for this type of feature. This is what you should do. There's solutions that can be found throughout uh, all of the different types of productions that are that are being being shot. A commercial production as well. Like it, it's, there's just so many different facets to it. And there's ways that people can engage and, and kind of find ways that work for them that are, you know, that are helpful to them, but are also aren't cost prohibitive to them as well. Um, a lot of the times we hear people saying, well, we'd really like to, to do this, but it's going to cost more money. And it's, it's building out that case to say that you know it might be a bit more money at the at the at the offset at the at the at the front end, but at the back end you'll be saving money and uh, and and it will kind of help every everybody in in the long run. Um, so you know there's there's lots of engagement within the within the industry, um, and I also see it from uh, from from OGS. We have our quarterly community meetings, and we see upwards of 50 to 150 people join into the conversations. Um, so it's it's just it's incredible to see the engagement, and I really think that we're at a time right now where. Um, the light bulb has turned on for so many people and it's like yes this is something that we need to do right now and you know it's uh, it's cop 26 it's you know it's the uh, the uh, the the uh, upcc report uh, it's all of these things that are coming together that are really making making this uh, the the issue that we need to deal with as as a, as a society it's a bunch of musicians saying there's an emergency um, mm -hmm. <laughs> we can't neglect them but yeah, absolutely. I think it's really interesting that you, what you're pointing out is a knowledge gap, that it's not uh, out of a desire, like a apathy or a self, you know, self 
self-centeredness or something like that, that really what we're seeing is a knowledge gap. And then occasionally some of the pushback comes if from cost. And we see that in, um, in publishing a bit too. Um, but what's fascinating is when you can point out those solutions that don't cost more, but can have a tremendous impact. So I said that 90% of our emissions come from our paper, but if you use 100% post-consumer waste, so that is essentially recycled paper, that those emissions can go down 50%, which is incredible. And recycled paper generally now is very available and doesn't cost more and like looks better than it used to. It doesn't have to be like a pulpy paperback novel or a newspaper or something. It can look very classy. Um, and so it's like, it's such, it's so great to be able to point out to people like this is a huge lever you can pull, the biggest lever you can pull. It isn't going to cost you more money. You're still going to be able to get your books out on time. So the, I think the more of those like critical points that are both economical and feasible that we can highlight, like that, that has exponential capacity for change. So, okay, we, we've talked a little bit about some pushback and, and the reception. So a cost being a sensitivity. And I think that's going to continue for a little while, generally with environmental things. But um, hopefully what, what, I, what I kind of wonder is, um, is there, so this is a thing that we come up in publishing, which is like, do people care? Do, do people care if their book is printed on 100% recycled paper? And are we good at communicating that? Um, and so there's always this communications piece that I think is sometimes missing from the efforts that we make um, as an industry or as an organization to show people that we're doing the right thing. And if this book costs a dollar more, it might be because it is way better for the planet or what have you. Um, so I, that's also a piece that we like try and communicate to people who are maybe forced with making those um, choices that might be a little less cost effective. I want to, I know this isn't a pandemic talk. We've spared everyone from a pandemic talk, but of course we have to talk about the pandemic just briefly. Um, and I wondered what kind of challenges or opportunities the pandemic has brought about for each of your organizations in terms of your green goals. Um, let's start with Bridget. Yeah, I think the pandemic has been a really like double-sided thing for the music industry. Well, actually, no, it's been bad for the music industry. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. But in terms of the idea of kind of implementing um, climate activism measures and stuff like that into the music industry, I think it has kind of been this like double-edged um, sword. So yeah, the music industry, not in a great place right now but you know one side of that is there is a lot of talk about rebuilding the music industry because it, it after the pandemic i mean you know no one's touring all these venues have shut down like stuff's bad but there's a lot of talk about putting money back into the music industry finding initiatives to build it back better and so you know we've been having the discussion of well, if if we're if we're gonna rebuild and re-energize the music industry, why not you know build back better with climate initiatives um, involved? Um, so that has been a thing that we've been talking about a lot. Where it's like a lot of people are like you know, uh, how do we do this? And it's like well, there's gonna be money in the future, hopefully. Um, 
for kind of continuing to put um, life uh, into the industry. Um, and I also think um, with the pandemic, at least this is maybe more on a personal level for me, but weirdly enough, the pandemic has given me time to really think and focus on climate stuff. Um, you know, I've had a lack of touring. I haven't been touring around. Um, and I think a lot of musicians are kind of in this holding pattern right now. And they're seeing, you know, the need to build build up and build back the music industry. And so, yeah, I think it's it's created this really interesting opportunity where there could really, it could be a really great kind of place to start fresh or start new. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, you know, when, when the industry is talking to government, um, you, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm very tired. I'm like trying, <laughs> trying to organize my thoughts. I'm not a morning person. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I'll just leave it at that. I think it, it, it puts us in this um, really weird and interesting spot. Absolutely. Um, and, and I like what you're saying about these fundings having conditions. I think that that should be true for a book industry. I think we get a lot of government money as Canadian publishers. And I think that there should be strings attached to that that are environmental. Um, so especially when, as I said, some of those those pressure points are easy. They're, they're a win-win. So yeah. why don't we make it necessary for people to do them um, if they want those big checks? Um, the other thing I wonder, this is just like a, this is kind of a point of interest, but I attended a lot of virtual concerts over <laughs> the pandemic. Um, and that was an interesting case in like forcing something that um, otherwise probably wouldn't have happened very much. Um, and I wonder like what this, the, the feeling is around that in the industry. Is it like how we feel about Zoom meetings or is it like this is something that maybe we could integrate in a touring plan as one element or something? I mean, no one loves virtual shows. I'm going to be honest, like it's not it's not the same for audience. It's not the same for performers. Um, but I do think again, again, with the, you know, um, idea of, oh, we've kind of had this pause. Let's, you know, build back better. I think it also shows that the music industry can adapt, you know, like it's it is a thing where a lot of artists have their own kind of um, autonomy um, and over their own brand and their own business. And yeah, we've shown that we can adapt and be like, oh, the world has thrown this like giant curveball at us. That's okay. We'll figure out how to continue. And so I think it shows that we can be creative around these big roadblocks and emergencies and we should be seeing the climate emergency as something that we just need to adapt to instead of just kind of ignoring it and pushing through. It should be something that's like, oh, this is thrown at us. We need to figure out how to um, kind of get around it because it is a pressing issue. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily see it as that. So um, almost like it's an like, emergency. It's exactly. Yeah. So I know that was <laughs> almost a really like answer that. to your opinion, or my opinion on um, virtual shows, but I think it does show a really cool kind of part of the music industry. Excellent. Ha um, 
I didn't expect that musicians would love them. And as an audience member, it wasn't my fave either. But um, interestingly, in publishing, like some of the events, we've had a lot of um, virtual events and uh, some organizers are going to maintain a kind of digital and live hybrid thing because also for like for accessibility reasons because of big geographical barriers etc they have found some benefits but of course nobody wants to really go over to those entirely okay chris the pandemic the film industry and your green goals what opportunities and challenges have you seen in this last year and a half sure um so i guess like initially when the pandemic when the pandemic pandemic first hit um health and safety was a concern of everybody and it still is um but we saw a massive uptick of single-use plastics again water bottles were back and you know they were starting to be phased out everybody was having their own kind of um, their own personal use um uh water bottles and coffee containers and it was just like it was it was really kind of cool and really great um but single-use food service escalated uh ppe escalated like so you know so much more consumption of things to make everybody safe right which is you know absolutely we need to do that but as as the pandemic kind of moved through you know we go, we go past a year and we're moving into like 15 months um things started to streamline again. So things started to kind of uh, slowly kind of reduce the amount of single-use plastics. And, and you're starting to see now on set where you know, there's, there's water refill stations that are, that are safe, that are COVID safe. And, and you know, it's, there's, there's ways to safely um, kind of go about the business of film and television production um, and, and still do that with a lens to sustainability and reducing reducing waste um so you know that's been a, an absolute challenge um but it's you know it's it's incredible to see how the industry has kind of mobilized to make uh make make that a bit of a priority even though there's the health and safety concerns that are that are first and foremost for everything um the largest takeaway for me that that i've seen is that because the industry the film industry specifically mobilized together to build out you know really comprehensive uh, health and safety guidelines that allowed them to continue to work um even during the pandemic it was incredible to see an industry kind of turn at, on a dime to make shifts significant shifts that initially like prior to the pandemic the industry said we could never do this we could never we could never go paperless we could never you know like there's so many things that that couldn't happen and it happened almost overnight and it's just incredible to see how people's workflows changed uh, but they were still able to work still able to create and still able to create fantastic content um so those you know those are incredible opportunities um for uh, for for us looking at sustainability and you know i've heard uh, you know colleagues uh, of mine speak about this um that you know if the if the industry could take um you know the 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 passion and the commitment that it took for covid and put that into a sustainability um kind of uh, trajectory we could move mountains and uh, and it's it's inspiring to think that 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 could happen and as an industry i think we could do that it really does break the heart that we saw all that energy and all that fast mobilization and like you know commitment um for the covid crisis which was necessary don't get me wrong but mm -hmm. it, it it always as i was witnessing it it always broke my heart a little to see like yes we do have the capacity to do this um we just haven't decided that we 
want to. And what's really interesting is that the political will does appear to be there, even though there's lots of banging that about. Um, we have a book by uh, climate activist Seth Klein, who's like super policy wonk. It's amazing. Um, and he commissions like surveying for his book, which to see how receptive Canadians actually were for um, policy changes and for, you know, you know, bootstrapping and all the rest to try and make this happen. And it turns out they are very receptive, but there's this perception from politicians that they are not uh, perceptive. And and that that's rough. Uh, <laughs> that hurts because we need our leaders to show us that this is an emergency if we're going to do that. And uh, as a small plug, Seth has a book called A Good War, which uses that analogy in a World War II context, um, where again, the leaders decided this is something that merits swift, serious, decisive action. Let's do it. And Canada stepped up. Um, and that uh, aside, and then it's funny, as we were publishing that book, COVID happened. And um, so I had been editing it with him and then had to, and we had to introduce some COVID content there at the end because Seth was saying, oh, there's, we haven't done this since World War II. <laughs> and then we did. Anyway, um, uh, I see a question just came in and I want to encourage uh, the rest of you who are listening to also submit your questions in the Q&A box. I will see them. I have more questions for our panelists, but please jump in and see that question or put that question in any time. I'll... I'll look at that. This is actually a question for me, which is making me feel very special. And the question is, where is the publishing industry in terms of community organizing on this issue? Is there a group of Canadian publishers working on the issue? If not, is that something that might happen in the future? Um, so the answer is that we are pulling it together. So the Association of Canadian Publishers is the major um, organization of independent Canadian publishers in Canada. So that is the ones not open, owned by German conglomerates, etc. Um, and they, I would say in the last year have really been pushing forward on this. So I've done a couple sessions like this with publishers that are kind of in the vanguard of, of making these changes and doing these own doing these assessments. And then we did another one actually with printers recently, which like brought all the major print houses in Canada to talk about sustainability and the options there. So I would say that um, things are happening. I know the ACP has started a sustainability subcommittee um, and we, I think there's some movement. Um, we don't have a cool flashy novelist declare emergency or something, no books on a dead planet, true. Um, the books on the dead planet are definitely toilet paper. So uh, <laughs> for, the, for the humans that remain, uh, yeah, we could, I would love to take cues from both of you actually in terms of visible organizing from the creatives to have the hearts and minds of the people and for these like industry resources that could help publishers calculate their footprint and decide what they need to do. Although like, straight up what they need to do is use recycled paper. So uh, we're, we're on that, we're on the case there. Um, okay, another question, this one's for Chris. I know the film industry has made some strides in sustainability with reducing food waste on sets. Can you tell us a little bit about that and the successes there? Sure, um, 
Yeah, so uh, as part of our implement best practices kind of pillar within uh, within our strat plan, um, reducing greenhouse gas emissions with food waste and, and food related greenhouse gas emissions. So, you know, uh, that's that's in, in regards to food, it's in regards to the containers and all of that. Um, so we have um, we've uh, built relationships and partnered uh, effectively with uh, uh, with Second Harvest and Second Harvest has a, a food rescue app that's available to anybody it's not just film and tv so it's any any industry any individual who has has food uh, organizations that have food that they need to donate or would like to donate um, and it's a really simple app that connects you with a, a not-for-profit that is looking for food donations and it's it's just a simple uh, connection that's made um, and that's a, a significant way to kind of reduce the amount of, of food waste that's happening on uh, on productions um, there's also a push to uh, start to promote um, kind of reduction of, of uh, red meat. So like uh, th having things like a meatless Mondays. So, so you know, instead of having um, having red meat every day at, at your at your lunch, you know, maybe producers can decide to have, you know, a, a vegetarian day or, or a vegan day or um, and just, you know, making those small choices can have significant, significant uh, impacts in, in the amount of greenhouse gas emissions. I love that as an answer. Sorry, I realized my mic was on and the cat just crashed something over. Anyway, that's life. Uh, life in the pandemic. Uh, definitely the dietary choices that you can make for a large group of people. Good lever to pull. That's a, that's a nice one. Um, and I would like to highlight in the chat that Madeline uh, pointed out the Green Book Supply Chain Alliance, which is new, uh, again, just like within the last year. And so they're working with other international groups uh, to look at our supply chain specifically and also other green strategies that publishers can employ. And I really look forward to, the, to their work as BookNet is always the smartest people in the room. So uh, if, if, they can, if anyone can sort it out, they can. Okay, keep those questions coming. If you have more, I'm still watching. We'll soldier on with mine in the meantime. Um, so one thing that uh, often we talk about is you make an, an eco choice and it's the right thing and you're doing it for the polar bears and et cetera. Um, but I think what we don't emphasize enough often is that there can be side benefits to whatever ecological choice you make. For example, I grow a garden that provides me with fresh local food. It stores carbon, it helps pollinators. Those are all great things. But also I love to garden. <laughs> it brings me immense joy, like joy that I couldn't have fathomed for the last decade. So I wondered if in some of the changes that maybe you've made in your industry, if you've discovered any wonderful side effects that are positive. Chris, anything? Sure. Um, yeah, I guess with, with all of this, I guess the if we're looking at like uh, how we've shifted to a digital kind of communication model with our, all of our meetings on Zoom and all of our all of our community meetings, uh, and speaking for OGS now, all of our community meetings are are hosted on Zoom. Um, we've been able to kind of expand our reach across the province, across the country, and internationally as well. So we're getting a lot more people coming into our meetings and providing input and feedback in, into this uh, conversation, which is which is so important. Um, so that's a huge positive effect of. Of, um, of of us kind of shifting shifting our models, um, and then also the ability to bring in kind of guest speakers to talk about things um, and not having to fly them. 
to to Ontario to to speak to us. They can they can sit in on Zoom and they can you know provide us with all of their great information from from LA or from from the UK or from BC. Um, so it's those are you know major positive benefits that that I've seen. Great, thank you. So now, Bridget, I know that your accomplishments are a little hard, a little more nebulous. Um, but in um, in the activism you do, or even in the changes that you may have made backstage or within, uh, I guess there haven't been a lot of backstage occasions lately, but um, any other changes that you made, if you've seen any kind of positive byproducts that aren't strictly environmental? Yeah, um, I think there's been a lot of community building happening um, through Music Declares Emergency. I personally have been introduced to a lot of people in the music industry that are really, really awesome. And I've seen a lot of people making those connections. Um, so that's cool. And again, we are newer, so there's less like past benefits and more benefits that are kind of currently happening or we could see happening. So again, community, I think is a really big one. Um, I think, you know, volunteering for a common cause can really create a strong sense of community, which I think in turn then helps people with their activism. Um, and uh, I think the idea of um, what I was mentioning about uh, kind of the carbon footprint of um, uh, people going to shows in the future when that happens, I think there could be a really amazing opportunity there for community building. Because um, I think if there were organized like buses that large groups of people could go on who are going to the same show, not only would that be a really big thing for you know reducing carbon footprint, that could be an amazing community building like thing. Like I, I'm just like imagining if you're going to a concert for an artist you really love and you get on a bus with like 30 other fans of that artist. There's some, I feel like there's some really amazing things that can happen there. Um, a lot of, again, a lot of musicians are very moved emotionally about climate. They they write songs about it because it's a, a, what's on their mind. And then you have these really amazing songs that you know are important to bring awareness to climate, but are also really beautiful and moving. Um, so I think there's tons, it's, I think it is a really great opportunity for community building and like hope, because I think a lot of people are feeling very hopeless because of the pandemic, because of the climate emergency that is this like looming thing. Um, so I think that's a really good uh, opportunity. I think another one is touring is very hard on musicians' mental health. Um, it can be, it's just like a widely known fact throughout the industry. It's an intense thing and I think Again, with the idea of building back better, if we are finding ways to make touring more eco-friendly, we can also find it find ways to make it more artist-friendly and find ways to make it more sustainable as a whole, not just ecologically sustainable, but sustainable for the people doing it, um, financially sustainable, emotionally sustainable. So I think there's there's so many opportunities where there can be benefits hand in hand. I love that you emphasize the community as being an important byproduct, which also Chris did, um, because I think a lot of people think that if you start thinking about the climate crisis and you start acting on the climate crisis, that you're just going to be depressed all the time. And like, yeah, you'll be depressed definitely some of the time. That that's, that's pretty much inevitable. But um, 
this idea of coming together with like-minded people and using that as a point of connection can be extremely validating, extremely encouraging, even doing an event like this and uh, seeing things that are happening in different industries, seeing other people caring, making change. I think that to me, I leave events like this so energized because before I didn't know anything really that was happening. And now I see that there are all kinds of work, um, people doing work behind the scenes, which otherwise I never would have known about. Um, Oh, sorry. No, go. Uh, Just your point about um, Seth Klein's book, which Seth Klein's awesome. Uh, I haven't read that book yet, but it's on my list. I really want to. Um, we've done stuff with him through Music Bazaars. Anyway, um, but the idea of, you know, government isn't reflecting what people want. I think that it, for me, like the reason that I started doing climate activism was because of the toll it was taking on my mental health. And so seeing, oh, no, 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 this is something that large groups of people care about when you're maybe only seeing how major companies and the government is reflecting it and they're like, oh, we care about this, but they don't actually. I think seeing the amount of people who do can create that hope of like, no, it, we just need to continue putting that leverage on government and get new people. And it's, I, I think that can kind of help with the, the hopelessness of it. Also, I assume this this music community means like your buds with Sarah Harmer now. I don't know. <laughs> A personal goal uh, for me. <laughs> I've actually uh, known Sarah Harmer since I was a kid. We're family friends, so. Um, wow. <laughs> wow. I'm going to need a minute here. Randomly. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, she's awesome. She, she does a lot of cool stuff. She's Okay. <laughs> wow. Uh, that was like the biggest flex that could have come out of this uh, from Bridget. So. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't mean it as a flex. I'm just <laughs> It is just personally for me. Uh, it's, I'm, I'm oh, so glad to hear amazing. that. Yeah, she's my fave. Um, okay, so uh, we've got just a couple of minutes left. If there is, if there are any last burning questions, if you want to weigh in about maybe what your company is doing, uh, now's your chance. Um, if not, I wanted as a last question, I wanted to ask each of you. Um, what kind of advice you have from, from doing the work that you're doing um, that we haven't covered that you think might be valuable for people trying to implement change in their own business or their own arts community? Um, Bridget, do you want to start? Sure. Um, a really big thing I've seen in the music industry is a lot of musicians saying, oh, I care about this, but I can't use my platform to talk about this because I have a carbon footprint myself. I tour, I I do these things that, you know, maybe don't have the best impact. And I think my advice is it's like, there's no reason not to honestly, like, I think individual carbon footprints are important and we all should do our best to limit them. But I think there's so much guilt placed on individual people about um, climate stuff where it's these people saying, hey, you mentioned it earlier with plastic straws. It's like, hey, you're using a plastic straw. You're a bad person. You don't care about the planet. And it's like, okay, yes, I can limit my, you know, single use plastic uh, use myself. But I think really that like the big thing is, you know, there've been the studies that it's like the, the, a very small percentage of people that are creating the biggest carbon footprints. And so I think a really important thing is to try to move past that guilt 
um, and just try to, you know, make change no matter what. So I think that's something I've seen a lot of artists deal with, something I still deal with. I'm like seeing, I have like a bunch of like paper around me and I'm like, ah, I'm such a hypocrite. And it's like, okay, well, no, I can do better and I will try to continue doing better. But the really, the big issue is more things out there that you can try to change rather than uh, personal things. And no one exists outside the system, right? We're all baked. We're all stuck in this system and we can do the best we can. But like the fact that there's roads outside my window, um, I don't have a car, but I could, those roads, I might, I still pay for them with my tax dollars. They still get developed, all these things, because that's the system I live in. Um, So there's no opting out. Even if I like retired into the woods and, you know, whatever foraged for my own food, it's, you still have a really hard time opting out of that system. And I think that it's far more effective to try and change the system rather than like operate within your tiny little space within the system where you can make your little changes. So exactly. we should never yeah. let, where no one's a hypocrite because you yeah. can't opt out. Yeah. So my <laughs> so. advice is again, not a super tangible thing, but try to Try not to give into the guilt or hopelessness that I think a lot of people feel about climate and, and just really continue trying to make change on a, a kind of bigger systemic level where you can. And, you know, that can just be like talking to your local government representative attending um, uh, like climate rallies or it can be, you know, finding organizations to work with. Like, I think there's, you know, everyone can try to pitch in because it's an emergency and that's what's needed. And that's what we do in an emergency. Okay, Chris, uh, advice for people embarking on an eco crusade in their own space. Yeah, I mean, just to kind of, uh, you know, follow up with what you guys were saying, it's like, I don't think I know anybody who's net zero. Like we are not, it's impossible for us to be 100% net zero as individuals living on this planet. Um, but, you know, uh, Bridget, to, to your point about artists that are, you know, concerned about uh, messaging out, um, you know, sustainability messaging in their music, uh, there's 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 options for them, right? There's carbon offsets. So, you know, if as long as they're making, making significant changes and making impactful changes, like carbon offsets when they're traveling, that's that's a great way to show that you know hey I know that I'm doing this but I'm actually doing this to to kind of uh, offset those 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 um, those negative negative gains so uh, there's there's things that can be done right which is which is it's inspiring right it's it's good to know that you know we can make shifts and it it can be small it can be large and and it, it's whatever we can do um, f- for me specifically I mean advice. Um, that I would say is, you know, take action now. Um, small changes lead to bigger shifts in 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 people's uh, habits, which is great. I I always I'm very keen on new technology. I think that, you know, we're all zoomed out, but I think that this has really helped us. Uh, kind of reduce carbon carbon footprints a lot uh, because we're not traveling to to places. Um, you know, in production specifically, I mean, there's you know productions are, mo- are going to going paperless. They're you know doing things like virtual tech surveys, so they're not driving around uh, the, the jurisdictions to to go and and take a look at places. Um, you know, people are starting to work from home. Uh, well, not starting, but we've been doing that. But you know, people are figuring out how that you know when the pandemic is finished, they can still work from home, so they're not driving into work and commuting uh, for an hour to get to get to the production office. Um, one thing that you can do right now is is become an Ontario Green Screen ambassador if you want to become part of the uh, solution. Um, you can 
check out our website and uh, send me an email directly if you'd like. And, and we would uh, we would love to have you come on board as an ambassador and attend community meetings and just join in. Um, like Bridget was saying, like join join in the conversation, you know, start start into into rallying and and uh, and, and do, do what you can do. Great. I, I love it. I, I want to become a green screen ambassador and I'm not in the film industry. So there you go. You sold it. Um, thank you to you both for your contributions today for Bridget for getting up at the crack of dawn for a musician. Uh, really appreciate that especially. And um, to everyone who's attended also, thank you so much for giving us your time on a Friday morning for talking about a topic that can be stressful. Um, but I think what we've seen today is a lot of grounds for hope, um, at least if we make it. So uh, thanks so much for coming. Uh, and thank you so much, Jen, for moderating our discussion um, this morning. Uh, really That's grateful great. to all of you for being here and sharing your time, <clears throat> knowledge, and experiences.